everybody this is Vicki hey welcome back to the channel thank you so much for coming all of our subscribers all of our, our visitors God bless you guys we are thrilled that you would choose to spend time with us when there are so many other choices you could have made and uh, we appreciate you very much and we pray for you guys all the time Chuck was just in here praying over me for this video uh, just like he prayed over me for the video I did a little while ago uh, for the prayers <clears throat> prayer video <clears throat> and um, I have a message that Father gave me yesterday morning that I didn't get out yesterday, but I want to get it out today. Um, and let me just say this. I, I know I've had a lot of people leave comments for us that uh, people that are really struggling and feel like they're just failing all over the place. And uh, some people that I've read comments who said they're just giving up and going back to their old lives because it's just too hard. They just don't feel like they're ever going to be able to make it in this relationship with God. And that is heartbreaking. Um, and so first, let me say this, please pray for those folks. <clears throat> Excuse me. We may not see them, their comments. Uh, some of them actually, they must have deleted because I certainly didn't. And, uh, so we need to keep them in prayer. There are a lot of people out there that feel that way though, that they just cannot make this relationship with God work and they're struggling and they just feel like they keep failing. So this is the issue that God is addressing. Uh, a part of the issue God is addressing in this message today. If you're somebody that feels like you just keep trying, but you know, just things keep happening you're just not getting it, then this is for you. This is a really good, <laughs> this is a really good message. Um, and the way he wants me to start this uh, is to, I'm going to share a couple testimonies, personal testimonies with you guys. Back in 1991, I was managing a woman's clothing store. And I, I think that I've shared this on another video, but it's been a very long time and I don't even know which video or so anyway, I was managing a woman's clothing store and I didn't have a car. I had been married. I was divorced. I basically had nothing. I was just, you know, kind of out there, uh, trying to make a living and, and I had borrowed a relative's car and I'd been using it for several months. It was a, it was a van. And I remember going home one night cause I wanted to give the van back. The, it was, they were very gracious to let me borrow it, but I really knew I needed my own car, but I had no credit. I had no money and except what I made every week. And so to have a car meant I would have to get a loan or somebody would just have to give me a car. And I didn't see that happening. So I, I remember going home from work one night and saying, father, I, I'm a store manager in a, in a nice chain. I, can I please have a car? And he said this, he said, go talk to your banker, go see your banker. And I went, uh, I have a banker. <laughs> I didn't know I had a banker. I have a checking an account. I have a little checking account and God said, go see your banker. So I, I figured he must be saying, well, you have a checking account and that's at a bank. And so there's somebody in there that's a banker, go see that person. So I, I did, I called, I called the bank and asked to talk to someone in the loan department and said, you know, this is what I want to do and so on and so forth. And they said to me, I was stunned. This person said to me, well, go pick out your car. <laughs> so I was like, 
Oh my gosh, this was in 1991. So I went and found a car that I liked. It was a little Nissan Sentra. I, uh, the dealership said, take it home, keep it for a few days. If you want to buy it, come back and you know, we'll, we'll work out the, the details. I was stunned that they let me just drive a car off the lot. I had, there's just like, and I didn't know this was probably very common, but I didn't know that. I'd never owned my own car that was brand new before. I'd always been, when I was married, we would buy, my husband would get the, I just didn't have any of that stuff going on. So I went back to the dealership and I had decided I wanted this car. I was so excited about it. I called the bank and said, this is how much money it is. And they said, fine, come on in. Let's get the paperwork signed. <laughs> I was blown away how, how simple it was. So I, I went to the bank and the car was a little gray, beautiful, dark gray car. Now I'm telling you that for a reason. All of this has purpose. Okay. So I get to the bank, I sign the paperwork. I'm headed over to, uh, my aunt and uncle's house, they lived not very far from the bank. I was going to stop at their house and make a call to the insurance company. I'd been trying to get a hold of, uh, and the, uh, broker at this agency, I wanted to, I needed insurance. And even back then in the state of Kansas, you had to have insurance or you would, you know, you'd get in trouble, you'd get a ticket and all that for being an uninsured motorist. So I had tried several times, could not get anybody. And this particular time I thought, well, I'm going to try one more time and then I'll just drive on over there and see if there's anybody that can help me at the insurance agency. I left the bank in my little gray Sentra, so thrilled to have it, but knowing I, it was not insured. I had just signed the paperwork on this car. And so, um, and the bank or the insurance company said they would not take my check until they wouldn't insure me over the phone. They had to have a physical check in their hands to, so that the uh, insurance would be bound. They, they, it's just a legal thing. So I decided to stop at my aunt and uncle's house. I drove away from the bank. I'm going to get this out here. Hang out, hang in there with me guys. <laughs> drove over to the, or left the bank. I was not three blocks away and I was just a few more blocks before I would have been at my aunt and uncle's house. And I was sitting at the four way stop waiting for the other traffic to clear. And father said to me so plainly, Vicki, do you trust me? Well, he'd never asked me a question like that before. And I said, yes, Lord, I trust you. And I thought that was odd that he would ask me such a thing. I went through the four way stop got down to the street just a few blocks away. It had not been 10 minutes, five minutes maybe since I had signed the paperwork. And back then it was just, it was a $10,000 car. And for me, that was just an astronomical figure. You know, I know even back then that probably wasn't that much money, but it was a lot of money to me. So I'm, st I'm stopped I, or I'm about to stop to make a left-hand turn. There was a high school down the street from there, from my aunt and uncle's uh, street and the kids had just gotten out of school. So all the teenagers are out driving their cars and everything. I slowed to make my left-hand turn, had my turn signal on you guys, looked up in my rear view mirror in my brand new gray Nissan Sentra. I know you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and the full-sized pickup truck behind me. And it was the old fashioned kind that was not just made out of plastic and stuff. This was a real heavy duty 
pickup truck, full-size pickup truck. It was slowing too because he saw I was going to turn. So he was slowing to wait for my turn. So I got to the street and I was waiting for the traffic in the oncoming traffic to clear. I looked up in my rearview mirror again and the grill of the truck was coming into, it was like slow motion coming into the rear end of the car. I had, there was no time to respond. That truck hit the car and it, it, threw the car across to the other side of the intersection because I was in a little bitty Nissan Sentra and somebody had hit the truck, which shoved the truck into me, which threw the car to the other side of the street. It totaled, I had $6,000 worth of damage in a $10,000 car. It was totaled. I rode in an ambulance on the way to the hospital on a backboard because they weren't sure if I had broken something and uh, like my neck and in that ambulance with me was the 17 year old girl who was driving her mama and daddy's big full-sized vehicle that had slammed into the truck that had slammed into me. I had no insurance. Okay. <laughs> no insurance. I got to the hospital, my aunt and uncle showed up and all this stuff happened. And the policeman who arrived at the scene of the accident came to the hospital in the emergency room where right next to me in the cubicle on the other side of the curtain was the little 17 year old who also had to go to the hospital and she was fine, but she was crying and she was upset. And I was laying there thinking about how I had just bought a car that was completely totaled and I had no insurance to cover the car. Now, God was so smart. He didn't tell me, Hey, the other driver, because the accident wasn't your fault. The other driver's insurance company is going to have to pay for this. All he had said to me just moments before the accident was Vicki, do you trust me? Okay. So now, now that I've told you all of the details, I'm going to shorten the rest of that testimony. Uh, the insurance company for the other, the gal that hit uh, her parents' insurance company did pay for a new car for me. They paid off the, uh, or they paid off that note. And then there was enough money left over from that, uh, from that insurance thing. And I didn't go to court. It wasn't any of that kind of a thing. They just wrote a check for $10,000 and whatever it was. And, and when I went back to the car dealership to get another car, we negotiated and I got a car I liked even better. It was still a Nissan Sentra. This was a little black one with an automatic transmission instead of the little gray one with the standard transmission. And so there was enough money left over. And father kept asking me throughout this ordeal for the next several days, cause I really, I got hurt and it was just hard, but, uh, here was the, here were some of the fabulous testimonies that came out of that. First of all, the insurance agent who had not been in his office when I had was in the accident. So I had no coverage. I couldn't even, I didn't even get to the phone to be able to call him. The insurance agent decided to go ahead and give me that insurance for that day. It was his, uh, and I don't know if that was even okay for him to do, but I had been trying to get with him for a couple of days since I'd found the car. And, uh, so I, I had coverage. But even if I had not, oh, that's what I started to tell you. The police officer who was at the scene showed up at the hospital and he was so sad. He said, I'm so sorry. I have to give you a ticket. <laughs> and I just felt like 
talk about adding insult to injury. This wasn't even my fault and I was trying to get insurance and I just bought a car and now it's completely totaled and you're going to give me a ticket. <laughs> I wasn't mad at him. I was just crushed by everything that had happened. And Father had just asked me, do you trust me? This is what this topic of this video is about, you guys. So I... Uh, uh, the policeman told me if you bring in the proof of insurance, you know, just bring it into the station when you get it and we'll tear up the ticket and everything. So I did all that. But what happened was, in addition to the insurance company going ahead and saying that I had coverage that day and the policeman and uh, the police department tearing up the ticket uh, and the uh, owner of the vehicle that hit the truck that hit me, their insurance agency paying for the car and giving me a check for $10,000, I was able to go get another car, like I said, that was the same model, only it was a nicer one, and I was able to get it for less money, and they were both brand new cars. And throughout that time, Father kept saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I kept saying, yes, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand, but I, I trust you. And I mean, I would be telling him I trust him with tears running down my face. There was enough money left over for me to be able to, it was just like several hundred dollars, but there was enough money left over from what the check was that um, I was able to buy a washer and dryer for my brother and sister-in-law who had just had a new baby and a TV and a microwave. So God had, he knew what was going to happen in the end, but all I could see was that I was trying so hard to trust him and I was so excited. He was the one that told me to go see the banker. God was the one that said, go see your banker. And, and then God was the one who, when I was sitting at the stop sign, knowing what he was, he knew what was going to happen. He didn't warn me or anything like that. He just asked me, do you trust me? So, so one of the hardest things we learn is how to trust God. You know, I've said this before. I really, this is so true. People say they have faith in God. We can have faith. We can believe in the, you know, very surfacey form of that word. We can say we believe in God, but do we understand that believing in him means that we, I mean, that's just part of the whole thing about trusting God. We believe in him. Scripture, it's in James. It says, you say you believe. Well, the devils, the demons also believe and they tremble. They know, they can see him, you guys. So they know he's real. So it, and, and James it even goes on to say, well, so you made yourself like the devils. Okay. So you believe. Okay. So big deal. So do the demons believe and they tremble. Okay. So it's more than just an acknowledgement that, that we know that, or we say we believe that he exists. It's more than just that. Father's looking for something way deeper than that in his people. He wants us to be, he wants us to trust him. And he gave me this really neat example. I'm going to share that with you in a minute. Okay, but first I want to I want to share some of these other things he gave me to to say to you, because these are scripture. It says in uh, the book of Hebrews, eleventh chapter, verse six. It says, "Without faith, it is impossible to believe God." So he want, but I I know he's trying to get us to a place where we understand that it's much deeper than just 
saying, I know you exist. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, but without, but, and he who, let's see, and he who believes, and he, oh gosh, help me, Father, how did it go? Without, I know this verse, I don't know why I'm struggling. Without faith, it is possible to please God, and he who comes to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of whoever diligently seeks him. So Father's saying, look, imagine it's like a marriage. Can How would you like to be in a marriage where your spouse is non-stop suspicious of you? All they've, they've made a covenant with you. They, you know, they've let you know they want to be with you for the rest of their life and all of that. And you're just suspicious of them. You think they're always doing something wrong or that somewhere, somehow along, at some point in time, the other shoe's going to drop and you're going to be, you know, they're going to cheat on you or they're going to betray you. They're going to, in some way, they're going to hurt you. They're going to do some kind of a thing. And so you're always looking at them sideways. You're suspicious of them. The problem with that suspicion is it means you never open up your heart completely to receive them. And this is part of what's going on in the body of Christ today. People say they believe him, but they don't trust him. And because they don't trust him, they always have this door open that maybe they can just, you know, if things don't work out, like some of the comments I was talking about, precious people who are going, it's too hard. I'm leaving. I can't do this. It's too much. And part of the problem with that comes from this, gosh, this awful teaching out there that says God doesn't want you to go through anything hard. He only wants good things for you. It's only good. And, and it's our understanding of what those good things are that gets us in trouble. Uh, <clears throat> God's good thing for, for uh, the Lord Jesus, the word, the good thing for him was to hang him on a cross. To kill him. If you read in Isaiah 53, it says it was his will to crush the Savior. It was God's will to crush him. And he did it because he wanted you and me. He wanted that relationship. And the only way that was going to happen was to have a sacrifice that would be the payment for us to be with him because of our sin. And God's a God that cannot tolerate even the least degree of sin. So he sent the Lord. It was his will to crush Jesus, the Messiah, the word. It was his will. So sometimes the things that we think uh, are good are... Um, are all the surfacey, oh, make me feel good stuff. And and a lot of times people will just go, God doesn't want hard things. And they don't understand that, that, that God's idea of good things, just like the accident, he could have stopped it. He could have told me, you need to go a different direction because this little girl is going to rear in that truck and they're going to rear end you. And people may have all different kinds of theological understandings about this, but here's what I understand. And I'm just going to share that with you. I understand that my father wanted to grow my trust in him. I understand that he could have stopped it, but that he chose to allow it because he wanted to do some other things that he knew he was still going to take care of me, however he chose to do it. It doesn't mean I didn't get hurt. It doesn't mean that the car wasn't total. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means we... You know, the scripture where he says in uh, 103rd Psalm, where he says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. I think it's 103rd Psalm. My ways are higher. My thoughts are greater. Your thoughts, little bitty people. You have little bitty thoughts. You have little bitty ways. You cannot think as 
big as I do. So you just see a tiny portion. And we get in this place where we think, well, um, I if I could trust God to make sure that I don't have really hard things or that he's going to take care of me, then I don't have to be afraid and I don't have to be worried and all of that stuff. That's That's the wrong approach. Deciding to trust him regardless of what we're going to have to go through is the issue here in part. The, another part of the issue, I'm, I'm coming up with all these different kinds of parts because Father's giving me all these different parts. Another part of the issue is that, uh, so we don't, we don't trust him because we've let, we've leave, we're leaving this door open because we don't want to get hurt. We don't want anything bad to happen. And so we're always leaving a way to escape. And Father, I just had it and then I started talking and I lost it. Please give it to me again. He will in a second. I guess I'm supposed to go on. Okay, so so when when we say to him, I want you to, I want to trust you, but I need to know what you're going to do. I need to know that you're just going to do good things. Then we're not really trusting him. We're looking at ourselves, and that's the other part. Thank you, Father. We're looking at ourselves and not trusting him. We're not looking at him. We're looking at what we think we need for everything to be okay in the relationship we have with him. We think that we shouldn't have to suffer too much, or if we're going to suffer, that there needs to come a time when there's just not any more suffering, and that it shouldn't be too deep, and that if anything really bad happens, he needs to just get us out if we're not liking how things are going. So one of the biggest issues, and that's probably the main issue in this whole thing about trusting him, is where are we looking? Are we looking to him? Are we looking at him? Are we being suspicious of him and going, I'm going to have to make sure I take care of me because I'm not so sure you're going to take care of me. I'll trust you this much, but I'm not willing to trust you all the way. When things get too difficult, I may leave. So this is like a marriage where one spouse is looking at the other, always suspicious, always suspicious. And, and the, and the spouse that is being uh, suspected of, of wrong motives is going, I'm just trying to love you. <laughs> I just want to love you. That's it. I, I'm not, I'm, I made a covenant with you. I'm committed to you. And, and then the other partner is going, eh, no, you're, you're just in this for your own thing. And, a marriage is not supposed to be something we get in to see what we can get out of it. If we're marrying somebody to see what we can get out of it, our motives are, are wrong. We should be marrying to see what we can put into it, to be a blessing to the person we're marrying. You guys, this is not something I've known all my life. This is something God had to teach me. Uh, and, it's, and it's the same thing with our relationship with Father. If we're marrying God in a, in a manner of speaking, if we're saying, okay, uh, I'll be committed to you, then we need to not be looking at what he's going to do for us. We really need to be looking at what we can do for him. You know, he gave us a, uh, he gave us an assignment. He said, go down there, you know, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the demons, cleanse the lepers. You've received freely now give freely. He is the spouse that's saying, I have everything and I know how to take care of you and I know what I want to do in you and I know how I want this relationship to look. And 
And then we're on the other side going, yeah, well, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't have a lot of trust. I'm not sure you're really gonna, I'm not sure you're gonna make the right decisions. So we're basically calling him a liar. It doesn't mean that we want to be calling him a liar and maybe we don't realize that on the surface but if we really dig down deeply enough inside of ourselves we can see that we're saying just exactly that well you say you're going to take care of me but i don't know that you are you say you're going to do what i need but i'm not sure that uh you know so we're still looking at ourselves so when we get discouraged and say i can't do this because it's too hard we're looking right here at ourselves we're not looking at him when we say, I'm going to walk away because I can't, I, I just, you know, I keep trying and trying. It's not working. This isn't working. We have to ask ourselves, well, what is exactly is it we're expecting? Are we expecting things to be easy or are we expecting there to all, all of a sudden be this time when God goes, okay, I'm just going to lift all that hard stuff off of you that you're going through and, and all of that. And everything's going to be wonderful and you're going to have a fabulous life. And, or are we looking at him and saying, I don't understand, but I am choosing to put my trust in you. I say I believe in you. I say that I, I know that you're the creator of all things and you know all things. Well, if I'm going to mean that and make the commitment to be with you, then I have to realize that things are not, just because I say yes to you doesn't mean everything's going to be okay because it's you know, in the natural, it's not always going to be okay. In the natural realm, we look around and we see the stuff that's going on. It's not always going to be okay. And it's probably not going to be okay most of the time. But when we're in the relationship, not for what we can get out of it, but because he's God. And we've decided that we want to be on his team. We want to be part. We want to be with him always. And we look at who he is and who we are not. And we come to the place where we go, I want you at all cost, whatever that costs me, I want you. Now we've entered into the kind of a, a relationship with him that says, even when things are really hard, I'm going to keep going because you could have changed these things and you didn't you must have a reason and so i'm just going to trust you and if it costs me my very life i'm still going to trust you because where else like peter said when when jesus asked him are you going to leave me too after all the people left they said the sayings are too hard we can't we're not going to hang out with him anymore and peter turned to his disciples and said well are you all going to leave me too and remember what peter said he said, I mean, Jesus turned, yeah, and, and Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. Where are any of us today going to go? Where could anybody through time have gone? There's nobody else. There's no, you know, there's not, it's not like we have, there's one creator, one almighty God. And the fact that he would even want us considering our wretchedness that right there is amazing you guys that just right there is enough for us to to want to say i'm so grateful that you want me father i'm so grateful that you would choose me that you would call me and want me to be your own when you you've created everything and you want this you want me so <clears throat> we have to come out of the uh, 
We have to repent. If we're looking at Father for what he can give us instead of looking at him and saying, oh my gosh, what can, what can I do for you? I know it's going to be just this measly little offering, but I'm going to do anything I can to honor you and to, to love you and to show you that love. I'm going to obey. I'm going to do anything because I, I do want to be with you always. I don't want to be suspicious of, of your motives or anything like that. And it's a hard thing, you guys. It's, it can be a really hard thing. It wasn't like that one experience was something that made me all of a sudden know, oh my gosh, I can, well, I can trust God because look, he took this situation that looked so bad and he did these wonderful things in it. It wasn't anything like that. It, trust was something that had to be built and it's, and it starts out being, you know, we think maybe we think we have all this great trust in God until he says, oh yeah, well here, let's just put this situation in your life and see how great your trust is. I want you to get to where you trust me so much that even if I, if I decided it was my will to crush you, like I decided it was my will to crush my son for you, would you still trust me? So, so the thing, one of, and a couple of scriptures he gave me about this, I'm going to share another testimony with you here in a minute, but a couple of other scriptures he gave me. Oh, here, let's see which one, Father. He said in John 6, 28 and 29, he's, when uh, the disciples wanted to know what is the work that God wants from us. And do you remember what Messiah, he said, this is the work that you believe on the one that, that he sent. Believing has to go a lot deeper. It has to go into trust. It has to go into leaning on him, accepting whatever it is he says to do, following him. That's believing. That's believing. It's not that surfacey. Yeah, I acknowledge that you're I acknowledge that you're God. It's not that. You guys, James, you say you believe. Demons also believe and they tremble. Just because they believe doesn't mean that's going to save them any more than it does us. They know, they believe, they can see him, and they're still not going to be with him in his kingdom. So, Father's looking for a much deeper, more intimate relationship with that out of his people. Uh, let's see. So that one is John 6, 28, 29. And then, uh, you know, the one I quote all the time, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in him with all your heart. Um, and remember, okay. And I read the one in Hebrews. Remember the one in Mark 9, 24, where, where the Lord was talking to someone and he said, do you believe? And the man's response was, I believe, help my unbelief. Okay, this takes me into the next part of this message. A lot of times people will feel like, I was talking about that a minute ago, they'll feel like, oh, I've tried and tried and I, oh my gosh, I'm going to run out of time and I'm not going to make it and God's not going to let me in his kingdom. I want to talk about his grace for a minute. I want to talk about the kind of grace that loves us so much, and that's him, the kind of grace that he extends to us that says, I see you trying. I know what you want. I'm going to help you get there. I'm not going to just blow you off the planet and say, that's it. You failed again. You're out of here. I'm going to help you walk this out. 
And then there's another scripture he reminded me of, and it was the story of the landowner who uh, went out and hired some some people to come and work on his land, and they paid and he paid him a certain amount of money. I'm going to say a dollar, and uh, that was going to be their wage at the end of the day. And then and that was at like 11 o'clock in the morning or something. And then a little bit later, some other people came and he hired them as well until got clear up to the end of the evening. And he told all these people, you know, come and work for me. I'll give you a dollar. Get to the end of the day and he comes to pay his workers. And the guys that were there first were angry because they had worked all day and they were just going to get a dollar. And the people who had come at the very end and been hired only worked for like an hour and they were going to get a dollar too. And if you remember, uh, the landowner said, what is it to you? You were willing to come and work for that wage. We worked out our deal and you were willing to come. Isn't it? It's my money. Don't I get to decide how much I'm going to pay? So what do you care if I pay the guy that comes at the end, the same dollar? Okay. Now this is to address, I'm using this scripture to address the people who feel like I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. When you get called by the Lord and you say yes to him, he knows how long you're going to be able to labor. He knows the day you're going to, your time's going to be done and you're going to be with him. He knows the moment you're going to die. This is part of trusting him and his grace that helps you be able to go for however long you have to go. Trust him to know that he knew when you were going to say yes and turn to him. He knew how much time you were going to have. And he knew the moment your time here was going to be finished. And he still called you. And he knew that when he called you, you were going to get this far before your time was up, your growth in him was going to be the depth of your relationship. You're going to be at this point when your time was up and his grace takes you through all of that time. He doesn't want you running ahead or me running ahead and going, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. That's the enemy behind you screaming at you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And the enemy is able to do that because you're not trusting God to be God and to know exactly when you were going to say yes to him and to know exactly when his spirit was going to call you and to know exactly how long you would have and to know all the things you would do. You're not trusting God to be God yet. It's a hard thing to get to where you just trust God to be God. But when you do, then you can look at him and say, you know that I'm doing the best I can with the understanding I have. You know how much time I have left. You know how much time any of us have left. You know what you want from me. I'm in this marriage for you, Father. You called me. What can I do for you? You guys, it's going to turn our, uh, the way we look at him, it's going to turn us around instead of going, well, I'm suspicious of you. You just want to do something. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? It's going to turn us around where we go. You're amazing and you're God. And I'm not here for what I can get from you. I'm here because you were gracious enough to create me in the first place and loving enough to give me the gifts and talents you've given me and to pay for me with the life of your son that you were willing to crush for my sake. And not only that, now you're giving me this grace to be able to walk with you, to, 
to help me learn how to be your child, how to be your your laborer in this time that I have, however short or long that time is. When we take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on him, it changes everything. It really does change everything. He's, he's amazing. He knows what he wants to do in you. I said that a few minutes ago. He absolutely knows what he wants to do in you. Now I'm going to share another testimony. I'm going to try not to make this real long because I'm already at 36 minutes, but you know me, I, I talk a lot. <laughs> I think I've shared with you before, uh, well, I'm not sure if I have, had a vision one day and yeah, I have, um, and I saw some things and I saw, um, some people that I loved that I knew would never deny the Lord. And I saw that that question had just been put to them and because they wouldn't deny the Lord, they were going to be, they were going to be decapitated. I'm just going to say that it was guillotine. It was the whole thing. And the vision closed and I knew God was telling me, he was showing me some things. I'm not going to go into all that. I'm just going to say this. I immediately said to Father, I need you to do whatever you need to do in me so that my faith is unshakable. And I realized even when I said it, that that meant I was probably going to go through some really hard things, but I don't ever want to turn. I don't ever, I didn't even want to be, I wasn't just talking about And honestly, I don't think I was talking about that at the time. I wasn't talking about uh, being afraid I would deny him. That wasn't in me. I, that's not going to happen. I already know that, but I was talking about being in a place where no matter what I experienced, I wouldn't be physically, you know, I wouldn't be really messed up physically, just, you know, the trauma of it all. And so I knew that meant I was going to go through some stuff. And I watched over, that was in 2006, I think. And then I watched over the next, sorry, my nose is itching again. Stop it, nose. I watched over the next several years, God just kept putting situations in front of me that I couldn't have put in front of me. And they were difficult situations. And each one was progressively harder. But the Lord was showing me that he was faithful to be with me in all of those circumstances. And that if I would just turn to him, he'd help me walk through whatever I needed to walk through. One time, and I know I've shared this, um, it was when I was coming back from out of state. And I asked, I was asking the Lord what I could give my mother for her, because she had a little dog, and asking, what could I give mom for her dog? And he said, a grave. Well, what kind of a gift is that? So I've shared that before. I'm not going to go into that again. But even as I was burying that puppy, that and with so many other experiences I would say father this is really hard what is it you're getting me ready for this I it's just something's coming and I knew that he was answering the prayer that I had asked him to help me be unshakable in my faith but he was also preparing me for something and I'm not saying it was the last thing I know it wasn't the last thing, but it was a big thing. And that was in the year 2004. I guess it was 2000 when I was coming back. This was before I'd had the vision. Um, It was 2000 when I was coming back and the Lord told me to give my mom a grave for her dog. And then in 2006 was when I saw the guillotine and the two people I love that were about to be beheaded. 
but um, in a vision, in a vision. But uh, the thing that he was preparing me for was in the year 2004. Yeah. It's like, okay, I know I've got my timeline all messed up, but what he showed me, he told me that he was going to take my little sister, one of my sisters home. And I knew he was telling me that. He wanted me to help walk her home on that journey. She had cancer. She didn't know she had cancer. Nobody knew she had cancer. I asked her to come and live with us. Four months later, she died, covered with cancer inside and out. The thing that carried me through that time was knowing that my Father in Heaven trusted me to take care of my little sister, knowing that he had put her in my care. He told me what was coming, and he put her in my care. The things that God puts in front of us, I knew that I had strength to do it because he trusted me. I knew that it was a very precious gift that he was giving me. So you guys, when we have this relationship with him, he's trying to get his bride out of the place where she feels like, I'm suspicious of you. I don't know what you're going to do. He's trying to get his bride to where she goes, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? I love you. What can I do for you? How can I show you that love today? Don't quit, you guys. If you're some of the people who are going, I've had too many hard things and I just, when is it going to end? It's going to end when God says it's going to end. In the meantime, he wants to do and is doing, if you will allow it, he is doing an amazing work in you. He's, he's molding you into the same beautiful thing that he did when you look at his son, one who says, I am here for you. How can I, how can I bless you today? He's creating a bride that will be able to, just like it talks in the song of Solomon, you know, I know there's a lot of different issues about whether, what that is, but I always look at it like this, where at the end, she's, she's ready to run on the high places with her, with her beloved that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to get us to where we go. What are we going to do today? And if it's hard, just give me the grace and the strength to be able to go through whatever I have to go through and give me the wisdom to know how to respond in the moment and give me the uh, confidence I need to see things through to the end. Help me be courageous. Like he kept telling Joshua, be courageous, be very courageous, only be very courageous. And that's what God's saying to us. You guys be courageous. God knows your limitations. He knows what he's given you. He knows the gifts he's put in you. He knows the call on your life. He knows the length of time you have here. He knows how to do things every single day that you have. And I have no idea he's going to do. But all along the way, even on the journey, as we're going through the hard things, God is, he has beautiful, glorious little gifts he gives all along the way. If we are surrendered to him and we're not looking at ourselves, then when those gifts come, we'll recognize them because we will have learned to be watching for, for anything Father wants to say or do or whatever it is he wants from us. And he will surprise us with these 
wonderful little things all along the way, but we have to get we won't see them if our eyes are on ourselves. If we're looking at what we're having to go through and how hard it is and how awful it is and why isn't God saving me from this and I gave my life to him and, or, or just that, that thing where we're going, I, I feel so bad, I just can't keep doing this. It's too hard, it's too hard. He will give us the strength we need to endure every single thing if we will just surrender to him and quit looking at ourselves and be the bride that's excited to be with her bridegroom the one who's preparing herself you know what good bride just walks into her wedding just you know hasn't taken a bath when she could have or hasn't taken a shower hasn't fixed her hair hasn't she just you know goes in all dirty and says well, okay yeah here i am let's get married oh my gosh <laughs> And what woman wants a husband that's like that? We all want to have someone that cares so much for us that they will do everything they can to prepare themselves to be as uh, appealing, uh, as attractive, or as beautiful as we possibly can, that, as they possibly can for us because, because we want to feel honored like that. Well, our father is the same way. He wants a bride for his son who says, help me get ready. Get me cleaned up, help me get my gown on, help me be all dressed for the wedding. So, uh, so guys, that's I guess that's basically it. Uh, let me see if I left anything out, Father. So don't look at yourselves. Don't be looking at yourselves. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, he said to tell you just to trust the very best you can stretch yourself to trust him the best you can when thoughts come and you go oh no no oh no 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 i can't i can't i can't then you cast those down cast down every high, every thought every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of god god is good he's better than we think and so when thoughts come that say you can't do this or thoughts come that say God's not going to take care of you or thoughts come that say anything that's contrary to who God is, then cast it down. Don't go, well, but I've had these things in the past and God didn't say me just in those times. Just go, well, there must have been something he was trying to teach me. There must have been something he was showing me because he said he uses everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so uses it for his glory. So, okay, I didn't like that experience that happened to me back then, but God knew what he was doing. He could have he could have kept the car from hitting me. He could have kept the car from hitting the truck that hit me. He could have kept my car from being totaled. You know, one of the cool things about that story is for those who live in the States and that are old enough, like me, there was a song called The Old Gray Mare. And, I, and the, God has such a sense of humor. I picked out that little gray car that got totaled back in 1991 drove it off the lot. Before I even got it off the lot, I was calling it the old gray mare. For the next day or two, however long it was that I had it before it was totaled, I kept calling it the old gray mare. Well, it was a brand new car. It was a prophetic thing and I didn't know it. it was, God has such a sense of humor. The old song, for some of you who don't know this song, which is probably a lot of, a lot of you, because you're all probably a lot younger than I am, this song was, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. The old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be a long time ago. Well, it was only two days before the old gray mare got totaled and she wasn't what she used to be. So so God's going to take you through the experiences he has for you to go through. Trust him. Okay. He said to tell you to change your mind 
and change your words. When the thoughts come and you go, but if this been like this all the time, it's always been this way, probably something bad's going to happen. Change your mind about what you believe. That's one of the keys in starting to trust him. Stop listening to how it's always been and start looking at him and saying, well, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust you. This is hard and this is scary, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. And then he said, um, he said to tell you, just trust him to get you ready. Just obey him. Leave the rest to him. Watch out for your emotions. Don't let them rule you. You don't have to figure out the future. God's got it. And I think that's probably, I think that's about it. The last thing was he said, you want to be counted worthy to escape, then count him worthy of your trust. You want to be counted worthy to escape what's coming at the end, then count him worthy of your trust because he is. You guys, I've, I've loved having this time with you. I'm at 48 minutes. I am going to play a song. You know what? I think I'm going to play the same song I played on the last video just because I really like it. It's an arrangement that, uh, so if you've already heard it, you can, I mean, you can go ahead and click off anytime you want, but this was uh, on our Christmas album when we were performing. It's on one of our CDs and it's called Silent Night. And it's Chuck's arrangement. And it's, I think this is the first one I've played that's actually just the two of us instead of something that he did before we met or something that I did before we met. So this is the two of us. And uh, here you go. i 
Christmas music on the 11th of March. <laughs> Nothing like that. Okay, you guys. I want to just encourage you again, check the description box. Thank you so much for praying for you all of the time. Please get in touch with us if you want to join the prayer team, either one. And uh, please know God loves each one of us so much who belong to him. He's not... His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we're having a hard time and we feel like we can't make it, remember that he's right there and he is strong and he is mighty to save. Just keep holding on to him. Keep following. Don't sit down and quit and give up. And don't think that you can't overcome because that's a lie too. You most certainly can. But most important of all, get your eyes offer yourself completely and just on him if you're feeling here's a really big clue for you and then i'll i'll end the video but here's a really big clue when you are feeling uh oh you're feeling uh discouraged is one thing but what's the other word what do i what do i want to say father when you're feeling self-pity you're looking at yourself i got a kitty that wants out so i know i got to get off here you're looking at yourself don't look at yourself repent Throw all that stuff away. Repent. Turn back to God. Keep your eyes on him. He knows what he's doing. And he's going to make you more beautiful. I don't care if you're a guy or a gal. He's going to make you more beautiful than you can possibly imagine if you will just let him and you just be there for whatever it is he wants. God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. If you've endured to the end of the video, thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye for now.